This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by SDN Sports from Station Casinos. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. What is up, everybody? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey. I am Ben Goetz, one of the Golden Knights beat reporters for the RJ, and sitting across from me... Just so excited because we got news to talk about is my good colleague, David Shane. Dave, what's up? Stoked. We got trade stuff to talk about. Like, Golden Knights are playing better, you know? Everything's positive. Everything's looking up, right? It was already going to be a vastly different show than last week where we were coming off the 4-0 Knights loss to the Minnesota Wild and a lot of issues that seemed to crop up in that game. Now, all of a sudden, I'm going through the show outline yesterday. There's all these positive things to talk about. I'm getting to some you know, big trade speculation at the end. But now we no longer have to speculate because the Knights did make a trade. Reportedly, it still actually isn't official yet, but we're pretty confident this is going to happen, that they're going to add Los Angeles Kings defenseman Alec Martinez. And we're going to talk all about his fit with the team, what the Knights had to give up to get him, all that stuff throughout this podcast. Before we get to that let me just remind you that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. We are presented by Untuck It today. Also give you the quick reminder that you can check out all our written content at ReviewJournal.com. We've already got a couple pieces up on Alec Martinez. We had one actually up earlier this month when we kind of reported that the Knights were definitely sniffing in that direction. And of course, remember to like, subscribe, whatever you do with podcasts to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Wherever you listen to us, you can even listen to us at ReviewJournal.com. There's tons of options. So, Dave, Alec Martinez, why do you think the Knights went this route specifically with him, specifically on defense? Kind of where's the fit, do you think, here? Well, I think clearly defense was, you know, where they've been looking to shore up, improve, upgrade, however you want to say it. I mean, I think... You know, all season long, anytime, you know, any trade speculation sort of popped up around the Knights, it's been, you know, or, you know, revolved around the defense, whether it's a puck mover, whether it's somebody to, you know, kind of move bodies, whatever it might be. I think there's a few things here, obviously, with with Alec Martinez and, and you know, yesterday all these defensemen kind of just went, you know, flying off the shelves, basically, as, as we kind of talked about. Uh, I don't think the Knights wanted to be sitting there without a chair when all this musical chairs sort of goes around here in the next few days leading up to the Monday trade deadline. And Alec Martinez, while he's not really flashing on the paper in terms of points and, and things like that, he's a mobile guy. He moves the puck. He does the things that the Knights kind of need to do. 
And then this is the other thing, and I was trying to think about this. Other other than Mark Andre Fleury's three Stanley Cups, I don't think they have a Stanley Cup in that in that locker room. Chandler Stevenson. Stevenson, correct? Yes, yes. Um, was that one very memorable yeah, Stanley that, Cup through yeah, the Golden Knights? Obvious omission by myself. Um, but just to have some experience in, in, in a guy who's won, guy who knows what it takes to get it done in the postseason, those are always valuable things and kind of a commodity that front offices are looking for at the deadline. Yeah, so to go back and zoom out a little bit now that we've talked about Martinez and giving you the basics, as Dave mentioned, defensemen were kind of flying off the shelves yesterday. We saw Brendan Dillon get moved from the Sharks to the Capitals. Marco Scandella got moved to the Blues from the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Dylan Zamello also got moved to the Winnipeg Jets. Those three guys were all rentals. Martinez actually does have an extra year left on his contract, so he's got a $4 million cap hit next season as well. And I was going to jump in and say I think that's the big thing here with with the Knights is that extra year. That That's what separates him from a guy like Dylan. And when we look at the cost, which Bob McKenzie reported that it's at least going going to involve two second-round picks, that's not something I was able to confirm. Um, I've also heard there was a prospect potentially involved, but again, that's not something that I've confirmed. So we'll see once, you know, as we're recording it, we're still waiting the official, official word on this um, and what it might be. But that extra year kind of drives up the price a little bit. Um, on on Martinez, excuse me, on Martinez, for the Knights, it's it makes him a little more, I guess, valuable. You could say than somebody like Dylan, somebody like Demello, who are unrestricted free agents. Yeah, and we've talked about this a lot. George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon across your now two plus seasons here have shown a clear preference for guys either with term left on their deal or guys willing to kind of add term to their deal so obviously i'm talking about max pacioretty mark stone guys that the knights traded for and then immediately agreed to an extension with and both times you kind of heard george mcphee say the same thing which is we would not do this deal unless we got an extension done so they've shown kind of a clear aversion for the most part to rental players there's not a lot of guys that they've acquired outside of ryan reeves that were kind of pending unrestricted free agents uh, after the trade um, occurred. Even Tatar. Even Tatar had an extra year. So a lot of history there. Yeah, sorry to... No, you're all good. So that, as Dave said, certainly drove up the price. It probably made him a little bit more appealing to the Knights, especially because they have three unrestricted free agents um, on their books right now. John Merrill, Nick Holden, Derek England, all set to hit the open market. And the Knights are probably going to have, I would say, extremely varying degrees of interest in retaining those three guys and perhaps might retain none of them we will see um so yeah some more quick alec martinez factoids he's 32 he's a left shot but he can play on both sides of the blue line not really an offensive guy just throughout his career he has not produced a lot he actually only has one goal this year which came against the knights so knights fans can certainly remember that one and we've attached that goal to a lot of our stories so you can rewatch it too if you are so inclined uh, but as Dave mentioned, he's very battle-tested in the playoffs. He's got those two rings with the Kings. He actually scored the game-winning goal in double overtime of Game 5 of the 2014 final. So his goal clinched the cup officially for the Kings. So with all that said, I think two things can kind of uh, be true at once, which is, I would say unequivocally, as Dave mentioned, this makes the Golden Knights defense better. And I know there was like some people kind of questioning that yesterday, but... 
Is Alec Martinez better than John Merrill, who's kind of an everyday player right now? I would say so. I would say so. Yeah, he improves your kind of blue line. He improves your blue line depth. Now, does he make you, you know, a whole heck of a lot better? Probably not. It might be like 5% better, you know, if we're being generous. So this is not like going to tip them over the scales into like a firm Stanley Cup favorite or anything like that. And I think you can certainly quibble with the price of two second round picks, though, as we'll get into later, that seemed very much like the price of uh, paying poker this uh, trade deadline. But I mean, what are your thoughts, Dave, on where he might slot into the lineup and where kind of his impact is going to be? Well, I think mainly the impact, to be quite honest, is probably the locker room once he gets, you know, kind of acclimated with everything. And, and because this is, I think, like this is an April acquisition, you know, it's it's to help get them over the finish line here and get them into a playoff spot, wherever it might be. But this is about April. And then obviously you get him next year and then you can figure out if he is somebody you flip at the deadline, you know, whatever you might do with him at, at that point, maybe you resign him to an extension. I don't know, but it, it's his experience. I think that that's really the most valuable thing here in terms of where he slots in the lineup. I think that's going to be really interesting because I think it'll tell us a lot about Pete DeBoer and kind of how he views the, that blue line and and where he wants if, – if he's comfortable with the top four and is Alec Martinez somebody that you're just going to, you know, plug in on that that third pairing to, you know, solidify things, really kind of, you know, just give Peter Moore and, and I guess, uh, you know, Ryan McGill the, the option on defense to kind of roll everybody through kind of the same way that they do with the forwards feel like you can put anybody out there at any time against any line. Obviously that was something that they talked about with the Capitals game on Monday that they felt like didn't matter the matchup. Uh, Clearly that Carlson Pacioretty stone line, as you wrote about, got a lot of the, you know, attention against Ovechkin and things like that. But Peter DeBoer started the fourth line against Ovechkin's line. He said flat out he was comfortable, you know, no matter how, the lines kind of worked out in terms of the rotation and in terms of who was out there. I think if Alec Martinez is on your third pairing, if and I'm not saying that's where I would go, I'm not saying that's what he's going to do, but if that's an option, you you feel you like you have a deeper blue line. No, definitely. You know? I think it definitely adds to their blue line depth. Like I said, it kind of spreads that out. Not to keep picking on John Merrill, but you bring up that Capitals game. Merrill had two penalties in the third period, one of which led to a power play goal for the Capitals. So. I'm sure seeing that might have been motivating for George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon. Uh, we should also mention because the Knights have had some issues on the penalty kill recently, and that's been a big emphasis since Pete DeBoer has taken over. Martinez is a guy that's going to probably be out there killing penalties, so that's kind of a another added uh, area he can help. He's probably not going to be in the power play. Penalty kills where he's going to kind of make his bones on special teams. I would actually say that he might even be able to play on like the second power play unit, to be quite honest. If if Peter DeBoer is going to continue to run with like the two defensemen, put him with Schmidt. No, it's you possible. Know? I mean, I think they, who else do they have back there other than, you know, like I think Merrill's been sort of getting a peak, right? When they run the two guys. Although, I mean, really what it comes down to, Shea Theodore is going to be out there for the majority right. of the power play anyway. You know, I mean, I'm just thinking if you get into a situation where, you know, maybe Shea Theodore had a long shift right before, maybe you need to start with, you know, two defensemen out there or something like that. I think it's something that Alec Martinez could 
give you. It's not like you're going to bring going to bring him in and rely on him to to quarterback a power play. But certainly I think, you know, if you have to plug him in there, he can do it. The one thing I think maybe that's underrated with all of him and yes, he's 32, but he's a mobile guy. He can move the puck, he can do some things. He's not, you know, flashy like we like we've talked. He's not going to put up a whole bunch of of points and assists, but he can find a guy. He can find a pass. And he can unlock a defense if if it's there. And I think if given the opportunity, you know, on a power play, you know, maybe sneak a couple uh, in there and, and surprise all of us up in the press box. Yeah, he certainly, like I said, snuck one by Malcolm Subban earlier this year. So, yeah, but I think we're kind of in general agreement of, you know, where his role is going to be and where he might fit and that this is more of a, you know, it raises the water level for the Knights blue line, but it doesn't necessarily like, you know, super raise the stealing. This is not all of a sudden going to turn the Knights into the St. Louis Blues blue line, but it does kind of improve the bottom level that they've uh can expect from their blue line on a night in and night out basis. Well, we broke down Alec Martinez as a player a little bit. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to break down what the Knights had to give up to get him reportedly as we're still waiting on the trade to become official. Ever see an untucked button-down? They look bad. Why? Well, because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at that perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Like, I'm 6'5", so it's hard to find shirts that fit me well and then also kind of fall at that perfect length when I'm trying to go untucked. Now, with Untuck It, you can choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, we're back. And let's quick go over what we at least know at this moment in time, what the Knights are giving up to get Alec Martinez. Uh, They gave up, as Dave mentioned, according to TSN's Bob McKenzie, two second round picks. They have five in the next two seasons, the 2020 and 2021 draft. So they're certainly dealing from an area of quantity there, and it's probably not going to actually hurt them a whole lot. Um, We should also mention it's not a great trade deadline in regards to talent. So that's why we're seeing some kind of big prices uh, being paid at the deadline as you know, mentioned earlier in the podcast, Brennan Dillon got traded for a second round pick and a third round pick to the Washington Capitals. He's just a pure rental. So the Capitals aren't getting any extra term with him. Marco Scandella, who I previously mentioned as another rental defenseman, got a second and a conditional fourth. So, you know, by that logic, playing two seconds for Alec Martinez and getting him for an extra year compared to those two guys doesn't seem, you know, that unreasonable if you're the Knights. That being said, if you also consider that the Knights got Mark Stone for a second, uh, Oscar Lindbergh, and then, of course, top prospect Eric Brandstrom last year, well, those prices seem a little bit out of whack with each other. So, Dave, what are your kind of thoughts on what the Knights 
reportedly, like I said, we're still waiting for official word on what happened. But what do you, what are your thoughts on what the night reportedly had to give up here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of I'm terrible at economics, but it's kind of a supply and demand thing, I think, here, right? I mean, this is just kind of the going rate, it seems to be, for defensemen right now. And you want help, it's going to cost you, you know, especially in the division, uh, you know, for a team that, you know, like the Kings obviously are sellers, but I don't think really necessarily had to move Alec Martinez. I think I think if I'm the Kings, I'm more looking at the market and going, whoa, you know, X, Y, and Z for Andy Green, X, Y, and Z for – you know, Marco Scandella. The Scandella thing is funny to me because second I, time he got traded this yes, year. Yes, but but this time it was like a, th- a second rounder all of a sudden got thrown in there. So Jason Poor Botter- Buffalo. Yeah, exactly. Buffalo can't do anything. Buffalo's right? looking up in Detroit or uh, Buffalo. Excuse me. Like you know, what the heck here? I got only got like a fourth for him, and then all of a sudden St. Louis is throwing in an extra second to uh to Montreal. So you know, it's. It's expensive. You know, I talked to Brian Lawton from NHL Network a little bit this week, and he mentioned it, and he kind of compared it to the dot-coms in the the late 90s, early 2000s, and and he's a great adjective. He said it was a frothy market, um, which, you know, if you're a seller right now, you know, you're you're making out like a bandit. But if you're the Knights and you're in a position where, you know, you you feel like you have to do something with this team, it it needs – it needs a little more. It's costly. It's not something that you can just kind of, you know, go out and, you know, quick fix, um, cheap things. Now, I'll say this. If it's just two second-round picks and or a prospect, you know, whatever it might be, and, and you're not taking somebody off the roster, you know, then then it tells me that they feel good about the way that they're playing right now under Peter, Pete DeBoer. And, and they feel like they're finding some of the consistency that, that was lacking early on. They feel like maybe that they're peaking and, and they don't need a, a big like home run swing here. They don't need to maybe trade a core player to get, you know, one of the bigger names that, that would be out there or potentially uh, give away a first round pick. You know, it looks like they're, they're wanting to hold on to picks and things like that, not get into a situation where, you know, you've gone two out of four or, or two out of five or three out of five years or whatever without a first-round pick. Because remember, they're still trying to build this thing. And they still have a a farm system that, that while it's talented, is maybe not necessarily deep and, and you know, stocked the way that, that some other teams that have been around for a while and have had more than three drafts are. So if they're able to kind of use some of that draft capital that, that they've been able to acquire over the over the years and maybe make a quick upgrade through that without getting into a situation where you're, you know, exchanging salary. Say you're trying to, you know, unload Cody Eakins contract or something like that, because for a team to take on a contract like that is going to cost the night. They're going to have to pay more, I think, to have that happen. No, totally. But yeah, I want to go back to something you touched on there and just ask the question, like, do you think, the nights are done. You kind of mentioned that Alec Martinez and we've talked about like, this is not a huge splashy upgrade. Like, does it make them better? Yes. Is it a big upgrade? No. And so I think the question can be asked and it's a fair one based on how they've played recently where, you know, we've seen at T-Mobile arena two of the last three games, they've dethroned the last two Stanley cup champions. And in between they beat a New York Islanders team that hasn't played great of late, but is led by 
a Stanley Cup winning coach and Barry Trotz, and they're certainly well organized and well structured and have studs like Matthew Barzell on their top line. So do you think the Knights are done at this point? I mean, it's hard for us to speculate a little bit here because we don't know the full return. And once we know the full return, that also allows us to look at what the Knights' salary cap situation is because we should mention they're, they don't have a lot of breathing room. I mean, Cap Friendly, as of right now, has them with $4 million of cap space. That's with Cody Glass and Zach Whitecloud in the minors. That's without adding Alec Martinez to the roster. So he's going to eat up a good chunk of that. So they might not have a ton of flexibility unless, as you mentioned, they end up sending out salary at some right. point. And Alec Martinez has a $4 million cap hit. Kind of His is right on the nose, $4 million. So when you're talking about things like that, I'll compare it a little bit to kind of college football recruiting. And sometimes you have maybe a scholarship available and you're kind of waiting around right to the end and maybe some kids kind of filter out and, and there and, you know, uh, maybe you can take a flyer on it and things like that. I think it's kind of a similar situation in the NHL where you've got, you know, these teams that are sellers and you've got guys that they're, they're maybe trying to move things that they're trying to do. And maybe, you know, in the lead up to Monday, it just doesn't quite happen for them. And they get to kind of the end and they're they're like, man, we gotta do something. We gotta dangle, you know, we gotta it's like the guys at the the football game that are selling the tickets, you know? Like the the price always comes down like right before kickoff or whatever, right? You gotta get something for it. So I kind of feel like if the Knights are able to swoop in on something and maybe make a, you know, a deal that makes sense for them, I guess inexpensively, um, if they're able to maybe take advantage of a situation that pops up where a team you know, really wants to move a guy and no longer has the leverage to do it. And the Knights can kind of, you know, take advantage of that. I think that's a situation that they would be looking for. Whether that arises, I don't know. I don't think they swing big right now because I think they're playing well. And I think they feel like this is this is more where they wanted to get to. They're They're getting to their game. They're finding the consistency. The coaching change seems to have extracted the reaction or, or response that they that they were looking for so to go and do something big to take away a, a core piece or something like that that to me spells more like the summer as opposed to something that you would do right now i don't think there's a mark stone out there no that that makes so much sense that that's a perfect fit that you could sign you know all that, that situation isn't doesn't present itself at this deadline so i i don't think they go in that direction no, as I mentioned, you know, earlier, there were not a lot of like very attractive names that were clearly on the market uh this trade deadline. Martinez was certainly, you know, among them of a guy who was like, okay, he's got a year left in his contract, but the Kings are, you know, dead last in the Western Conference, so he's a clear piece that they could move. Um and something that you said there that I think is very interesting is how, you know, basically the Knights can now not go to the grocery store hungry to use that old cliche. They've got Alec Martinez. He does round out their roster a little bit. They can feel good if this is the team that they end up going into April with based on how they're playing right now. But as you mentioned, if all of a sudden they're on the phone with Chicago about an Eric Gustafson, you know, on Monday, you know, the Knights don't have to play desperate now. They can kind of hold back and say like, hey, if you're willing to meet our price, we'll do it. If you want to hold out for more, good on you, but we're we're not going to do it. And that's probably a good stance for them to take because outside of Gustafson, who we can talk about a little bit, who's kind of the, one of the last big rental defensemen available. Most of the other defensemen that are out there are guys with 
you know, pretty significant term left, like a Jonas Brodeen, a Matt Dumba, a Jeff Petrie in Montreal, who I think reportedly could all be had for the right price, but their respective teams are asking for a lot in return. And now, like I said, if you're the Knights, you don't have to act desperate. You don't have to meet that high price if you don't want to. So that probably sets them up, you know, pretty well over the weekend. I'll throw one situation at you that I was, you know, maybe not directly alluding to, but I think fits maybe what I was trying to uh, articulate earlier is Vatanen in New Jersey because he's hurt. And if you're in New Jersey, depending on when his return date is, what the medicals are and things like that, I mean, if you're in New Jersey, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent regardless. So, And they've sold off most everything else at yeah, this point. So, I mean, why you got to get something for him, right? Well, if he's injured, that would probably drive the price down on him. And if you're acquiring him as a rental and – I think, you know, obviously I think that's what the Knights would be doing as opposed to trying to sign him long-term. But you're bringing him in more for, you know, March and April. It's That's not, an, again, a, a – and that's not an immediate hole that they need to fix. Like you said, because Martinez, if, you know, this once this gets finalized, he's in there. They, they feel solidified there. It's not a, a, a necessary move. But if it's something available, if he all of a sudden becomes really cheap – and then you have that kind of, you know, something to kind of add later on in the playoffs. March, once he gets healthy, you can take your time. You don't have to rush him back. You know, I don't know. That type of situation, I think, is is maybe what the Knights are looking for. A, you know, be able to 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 jump on something that maybe they didn't think would present itself. And now all of a sudden the price tag is is very reasonable for them. Yeah, they're in a good spot. So to quick touch on some of these guys, as I mentioned, you know, Vatnin, unrestricted free agent, pending. 28 years old, currently on IR with the New Jersey Devils, but he's certainly a guy that I think most people expect to be moved just because the Devils have done a lot of selling off and they've continued to do so even though they've made a GM change recently. So, I mean, the sense is definitely that he's available. Eric Gustafson, as I mentioned, is more of the puck mover offensive defenseman, would probably jump right onto the Knights' second power play unit. He's set to be an unrestricted free agent this summer, and he's from Chicago. The Blackhawks are technically not out of it yet because the wild card race in the Western Conference is a jumbled mess. But I think, you know, the Blackhawks could also feel pretty comfortable selling, knowing that this is not going to be a team that gets them that fourth Stanley Cup. They should be a seller. This millennium. Right. So, like I said, you can also put him on the list along with Vatanen of guys the Knights might call on and wait to see if the price drops to their liking. And then, like I said, after that, you've got. Jeff Petrie of Montreal, Jonas Brodine and Matt Dumba of Minnesota. I think a lot of those guys would be certainly good fits. I think, you know, pairing a Jonas Brodine with a Shea Theodore would make for a heck of a first pair for the Knights. Do I get the sense that the Knights are probably going to meet what would be a pretty high asking price for Minnesota? I would guess not, just because as we've talked about now, you know, Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee are not kind of shopping hungry. So while Wild GM Bill Guerin is probably going to hold out for, you know, probably the Knights' top prospect, maybe a first-round pick in return. The Knights probably now don't feel like they have to meet that just to get a guy in here because they did get a guy. Uh, do you have a sense of, you know, if you go back to defensemen too, but do you have a sense of is this team going to shop around maybe other areas too, the third line? Or, you know, obviously backup goaltender is still a point of concern right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, I still think one of the things I think that's jumped out to me recently and part of the reason I don't necessarily have numbers to back this up other than March or so's play and obviously Riley Smith's, 
you know, consistent play recently is they. it just feels like they all of a sudden have two lines going now. It felt like all year they were just relying on one line, whichever it was. They could just never get both of the lines of the top six really going. It feels like right now they've got them humming as close to, you know, at the same time as as they've had all year. And I don't – I feel like they're starting to get, I guess, I don't want to say like secondary scoring because to say, you know, one of those top six lines is is secondary scoring is – I obviously not accurate but it feels like that now that they've got that and that's rolling if they could get that third line going somehow if they could get more sustained continued consistent secondary depth scoring then then all of a sudden this team becomes I think a real contender in the playoffs if obviously if they're able to get there yeah like I said I think that line has uh issues and we all know it but as we've also talked about all year are the issues really just talent or deployment? Because we've seen of the guys that they've had on their last couple games, well, we've seen Chandler Stevenson's a pretty talented player. Are you really going to get someone better than him for cheaper in here? Same with you know, Cody Glass. Do I think he's played well at right wing? I don't really think so. Do I think that you're going to trade for someone and give up a, you know, a price for someone that's going to be significantly better than Cody Glass in your third line? Probably not. And of course, you've got Alex Tuck, who's currently injured but you know as week to week i would assume be back before the playoffs i guess we'll have to see you know cody Eakin, i guess obviously has an uncertain future but even there if you decide to move on from cody Eakin at the trade deadline i don't think you're trading for his replacement you've got replacements in-house as i just mentioned in stevenson and glass so you know that might be you know fixing it internally through deployment rather than trying to fix it through outside means and backup goaltender there's just never a lot of goaltenders move during the trade or trade deadline we talked about last week about how they just have been so reluctant to go to Malcolm Subban under Pete DeBoer the only games that Subban has had under DeBoer have involved Flurry being sick and Flurry being suspended and I know Pete says that's because they're in a playoff race and they feel that they need to give the goaltender that gives them the best chance to win every night the start but I don't know how that can also not speak or to a lack of confidence in Malcolm Subban to win them games down the stretch here. And if you don't trust your backup goaltender to win games for you at a critical time of the year, then why do you have a backup goaltender to a 35-year-old who have you said, not Pete, but like the Knights management has said, you know, before the season started that we need to give him more rest. And I checked yesterday, he's got, Flurry's got the six most minutes in the NHL whatever that plan was before the year has completely gone out the window. Six months, minutes, and he was, what, how, how long was he on the personal leave? Like About two and a half weeks. He was gone, right. f- obviously, to deal with the death you of know. his father, yeah. So whatever plan that they had, you know, clearly they haven't stuck to it, like you mentioned. I, like Again, like you mentioned, though, it's hard. That's a, that's an area that's hard to to patch up or fix, I guess, or, you know, at the trade deadline, there's just not a lot of guys it, I mean, unless you're going to make a big swing for somebody like Laner, um, or you're going to try to do something with the Rangers goalie situation and whatever they're doing with their three guys and trying to sort that out and, and maybe being able to, you know, get something done there. I don't know. I don't know how they view, you know, Gorgiev or, or anything like that. You yeah. know, Dave Pryor and what have you. I'm certainly not implying, but 
I don't know that the answer there is is a bit, you know in terms of there and being the goaltender. I don't know that that's that's flowing. Well, especially out there at the right trade now. deadline, you're going to yeah. get what three starts out of any goaltender that you acquire, right? But so, I think it speaks to what I think it speaks to is a long term issue here, and that is Malcolm Subban really the heir apparent that they seem to have talked about, you know for the last couple of years and they think he could be a potential number one takeover when Mark Andre Fleury, you know, retires, moves on, whatever it might be. But I mean, you look around the league and to me, I see these, these goaltender rotations that are, you know, more in vogue, you know, closer to a 50, 50 split. Well, the guy who's the number one, a or number two, whatever, he's earning those starts and whoever it might be, Halak or whatever is continually taking advantage of his opportunity when he's in there. And that's something that Malcolm Subban has to start doing and has to start convincing them, I guess, that that he warrants more of those starts, that he can go and, and get them points at critical times of the season. Uh, going into the, the summer, I think that's going to be a big question mark. And Malcolm Subban being an RFA and, and where they go with that, um, Marc-Andre Fleury having two more years on his contract at that point. Uh, you know, going forward, I think that that's going to be a major talking point for this organization, you know, sort of obviously depending on what happens this, this postseason and the outcome there. Yeah, we'll definitely, I'm sure, be talking about it a lot more. We both expect that we might not be talking about it Monday when the NHL trade deadline happens because of how difficult or tricky it might be for them to make a goaltender move. We'll see if they make another move on defense. As we mentioned, we wouldn't be shocked if they are still talking to some teams about some potential rental defensemen that are available, but they have made at least one move to get Alec Martinez onto their roster reportedly still unofficial. And we think that should probably improve the night's kind of immediate outlook. Uh, so when this trade becomes official, make sure to check out all our coverage at reviewjournal.com. We will have a ton of stories up about the trade, how Martinez fits in and all that jazz. So make sure to check that out. Make sure to like subscribe, do whatever you do with your podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, etc. Uh, we want to thank STN Sports Mobile from Station Casino for sponsoring us and Untuck It for presenting us. He is Dave Shane. I'm Ben Goats. We are the Golden Edge Podcast, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.